0: Uh, well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Eric. Oh, thank you. That was a nice slow trickle of good mornings there. I appreciate it. <laughs> kind of started here and went over there. Uh, well, you're very, very welcome to uh, Adelaide Road. If you're a visitor, if you're new here and we haven't met before, uh, my name is not Sam Mawinney. I'm Eric Hughes. Our minister, I believe, is on... Uh, holidays or something fun, that means he's not here, Um, but I am here. uh, For six years I was the youth worker here in Adelaide Road and I lived uh, on the apartment on the top floor of this building, and so this was home, Uh, and uh, as I said, if you haven't met me before, I have a wife, her name is Kate, a daughter, her name is Olivia. Uh, Olivia uh, took her first steps in this building, her first crawl, she said her first words in this building, Uh, she had her first tummy bug in this building. (laughs) Uh, I changed my first nappies here in this building, so a lot of firsts uh, for the Hughes has happened uh, here in this building, and it's always lovely uh, coming here, because it really, really does feel like coming home whenever I come here. Um, So thank you very, very much for uh, inviting me and having me back here. Uh, And if you are new and you've never met me before, thank you very much for um, listening to me and uh, putting up with the way that I talk, which is too fast, apparently, sometimes. Okay, so this says welcome and announcements here, okay? So I don't know which of these announcements are important or not. Uh, So I would encourage you now to look at those announcements and maybe I'll pick the ones that I think look important. Uh, Oh yeah, well, look, prayer ministry, that's very, very important. Uh, It's going to take place uh, over here, which is where it happened when I was here. So I assume it still happens over there. So if you feel like you need prayer for anything, and it doesn't mean that something's wrong, it doesn't mean that, you know, something's you know, something catastrophic's going on in your life. It just means you want someone to pray for you. It's very, very easy. You just come up here and people will pray for you. So I'd encourage you to take advantage of that if you feel like you need prayer. Uh, you can see there, um, someone is looking for someone to house it. So if you think that that's you, call that number. Um, and mine two dogs. That's pretty appealing, actually, house it and mine two dogs. So you can do that. What else have we got here? Do, 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 do. Yeah, that's the, they're the good ones. They're the important ones. They're the really, really important ones. Um, so do read those yourself and, and familiarize yourself with what's going on in the church. Um, as I was saying, my name is Eric Hughes, and I was the youth worker here. I now work for an organization called Scripture Union. Uh, if you've ever heard of Scripture Union, in Ireland, there are two Scripture Unions. There's Scripture Union Northern Ireland, and then there's the real Scripture Union, uh, Scripture Union Ireland, down here. It's a little Scripture Union humor there for you. Um and if you think of Scripture Union, please do pray for us, because this is a very, very, very busy season, very busy time of year for us. There's camps going on. There's missions going on. Uh, at the moment, CSSM in Greystones has just finished up. CSSM in Dunleary will be starting up. Uh, there's our 16-plus camp, which is going on. And we, we try and calculate the numbers. And over the summer... Um, thousands nearly thousands of young people will take part in a scripture union event of some kind uh, kids who have heard the gospel a million times kids who are hearing the gospel for the first time and we just need a lot a lot of prayer so if you think of scripture union please do pray for us uh, and the other thing to pray for us is um we are filming a new film series uh, so if anyone in the room has ever done the newer film series before which was produced by scripture union we're working on a new a new a new 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 um that's not what it's really called. It's called NUA Origins and I get asked, you know, is it a sequel? Is it a follow-on and it's not actually it's a it, we're taking the content of NUA and we're making it applicable for primary school age kids So it's aimed at the 11 to 14 year old uh, Age range, so it'll be perfect for Sunday schools, you know membership classes all that kind of fun stuff But we're in the thick of filming at the moment um, I'm one of the presenters so we've traveled to Edinburgh Paris, London, Donegal, Belfast, all over Dublin. Uh, We're gonna go to Wales. There's a lot of traveling um, and a lot of, you know, and we're a very small crew. There's only six of us on the crew film, so it's a lot of hard work. Um, But please do pray for us that that goes well. Um, and at the moment, we are having meetings with the Church of Ireland and the uh, Catholic Church. of, uh, And these meetings are about making new origins the standard ORI curriculum for uh, fifth class and sixth class, which would be a huge deal uh, for us if that happens. So big prayers for that. So that's, I mean, pretty much what's going on with Scripture Union. But you're not here to listen to me yammer on. Well, actually, technically, you are here to listen to me talk, but not about Scripture Union, about Jesus. So, we are here this morning uh, to meet with Jesus. I don't know if that's why you came here, if that's what you think is happening here, but that's why we're here. That's why this building exists. That's why we set this time apart on a Sunday to meet with Jesus. Um, and so, I would encourage you that whatever's going on in your life, whatever the journey here was like for you, um, you know, my journey to church is usually just down the stairs, but even that can be difficult. And I know even just getting to church can be difficult for some people, but Monday to Sunday can be a difficult journey as well. And I would encourage you that whatever uh, has been going on, whatever road you took to get here, that you would take all of that now and lift that up to the Lord because he is here to meet with you. Uh, He is here to speak to you. And all we have to do is listen. Jesus says over and over again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so my prayer here this morning is that we would have ears to hear what the Lord wants to say to us. Is that all right? So we are gonna begin our time together uh, by singing uh, songs of worship. Um, These are not just songs, they're not just words. These are prayers to the Lord. So I would encourage you to lift not only your voice, but to lift your heart to heaven. Let's sing together. Amen, thanks for that, guys. Uh, So... Every year um, when I lived here, um, some people would move in to the floor just below us and they would live there. And I was, I was like, who are these people that are just like sleeping on sleeping bags? But then it was explained to me that they're part of the DIO, Dio uh, outreach that happens uh, in the city centre every year. So I don't, like we haven't prepared any of this. So if you are a DIO person, why don't you awkwardly make your way up to the stage up here and we'll uh, find out more about you guys. Oh yeah, go on, give them, give them a clap. Hello guys, how are you, how are you? Uh, so we haven't prepped this at all, I know that, but maybe are ready to say something. So I think the best thing to do is, if we just let you guys come in front of the microphone, say your name, where you're from, uh, and then maybe one thing, one thing that you're looking forward to most about the DIO mission, all right? And then one of you need to explain to everybody what that is, what the DIO is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So your name, where you're from, one thing you're really looking forward to, and then if one of you could really explain to us what it is you're going to be doing. Take it away.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Esli. I'm from Kondokan, and one of the things I'm looking forward to is um, preaching the gospel and introducing the gospel to new people. Uh, Good morning.
0: I'm Veronica. I'm from Bolivia, South America. Uh, Actually living in London, but I really wanted to come to DIO uh, camp because I was, uh, it was a challenge for me uh, to
1: spread it in the gospel because I'm a kind of shame person, so this is a challenge for me and I feel really blessed because of this camp. Mm, great. Uh, I'm Martin. I'm from England, and the thing I'm looking most forward to is just being able to work with a team from all over the world and be able to share Jesus with people that have never heard of him before. And I think I've left myself in the position of having to explain by being last. I
0: think so, yeah.
1: Uh, So what DIO does is that every day we will be training as a team together, trying to get better at sharing the gospel across cultures. And then in the evenings, we will be running a small, uh, well, it might be a small cafe. If we get loads of people, it will be a big cafe. Uh, and just to taking an opportunity to welcome them and to have like a fun evening. So we're doing like a chocolate evening, a pancake evening, talent sort of evening. And just giving them the opportunity to come and be welcome and to take part in like learning a bit of English. And then at the part way through, we'll have a drama and a Bible study And just trying to give the internationals an opportunity to just hear about Jesus, to learn who he is in a really simple way. And that leads me on to how you can help us. Uh, There's two ways that you can really help us and one way maybe we can help you. Uh, One way you can definitely help us is by praying for us. Um, We need lots of prayer. Uh, I I always come and I'm realised that Explaining the gospel to someone in their second language is incredibly difficult. So just pray that we are able to explain it really well and that as a team, we'll just keep going and work together well. Um, Secondly, the other way you could help us is sometimes in the evening, we need people to help serve tea and coffees or with certain events, there is a bit of prep work. So if you'd like to come and help with that, come and find me at the end. And one way maybe we can help you is if next week we'll still be here and we'd love if you come up and ask us what are the encouragements for that week. And maybe that'll encourage you too.
0: Lovely. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to take time now to uh, pray for you guys, if that's okay. Um, and maybe we'll join in prayer as well. And, and as the weeks go on, if you think of these guys, please do pray for them. If you're around the building and you see them hanging out and they look tired and stressed out and blah, um, say hello and be nice and make them feel welcome here. Uh, you guys are sleeping upstairs, are you? Yeah. So comfortable up there. like It's such a comfortable floor. Good, floor. Uh, so let's pray. Yes, Lord, I th- um, Lord, we just want to come before you uh, and first, Lord, say that we are here uh, to worship you and we give thanks to you, God, for how good and how kind you are um, and how you've gathered us all here in this place. And we know that the summertime uh, is a season when many different organizations uh, do lots of gospel work, lots of evangelism, Lord. And we pray specifically for the DIO um, and particularly for these guys here gathered on this stage, Uh, Lord, I pray that you would grant them uh, energy, um, that you would grant them wisdom, Lord, that you would give them uh, peace to know that they're doing the right thing, God, and I pray that you would protect them, uh, protect them from the work of our enemy, Lord, protect them from those who would oppose this gospel work, and we pray that as they um, sleep here, that this place would be a place of rest for them, God, uh, a place of refuge I pray that you would keep them uh, over their time here on the DIO. And we pray for the rest of the people that are involved in that as well, Lord. We pray that it would just be a fruitful time. We pray for a great harvest, Lord. We pray that you would bring people along. And for whatever reason they come, Lord, they come to learn English or to eat chocolate, whatever it might be. We pray that when they come, they hear you, God. They hear your words. And they hear that through the work of these gospel workers here, God. So we do, as a church, pray for the work of the DIO, and particularly these guys here on the stage. And thank you for their hearts and their willingness to be here. Lord, we just pray uh, into our uh, morning here together that you would come here, meet with us, and speak to us, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. You can head back over that way. Um, so we're gonna sing uh, another song, a song that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's the first uh, Christian song that I ever learned how to play on the guitar uh, and ever sang, so it's a, it's a song called Every Move I Make. There are actions which I have been uh, instructed to do for you, um, so, hold on, I'm going to turn this on. I oh, know that's you. It's your turn, man. Um, So, for you guys who are uncomfortable with doing actions, right? It's always the safe thing to do is to clap. Okay, if you don't know what you're supposed to do, if you're feeling a bit awkward. Just clap. Get away with it, right? And remember, in a room like this where everyone's doing the actions, if you're not doing the actions, then you're the one that's looking weird, not the rest of us. Okay? So let's all stand up. Let's get ready to sing this great song. Well done, everybody. Well done. I love that's such a good song, though, you know? Although you guys sing Lala. It's, it's, is it not Nana? Oh, right? That sounds a bit... <laughs> oh, I see. That's clever. That's clever. That's clever. Uh, so we're going to uh, read the Bible together. Uh, I know that in the order of service here, it says we're going to read Daniel chapter three, but we're actually uh, going to read in Jeremiah chapter 29. And I decided that in the car on the way here, so... That's why it's different. Um, yeah, so if you can find uh, Jeremiah in the Old Testament, uh, chapter 29. Uh, in my Bible, it's page 634. It's probably not that in the Red Bibles in front of you, um, but that might give you, you know. Also, don't, you know, don't be afraid to use the contents. You know, you don't have to be like a biblical genius and go, well, I found it. You can use the contents to find uh, the book you're looking for. 789. Seven, eight, nine. Why was 10 afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> <sighs> she wouldn't like that joke. <laughs> Not funny, Dada. Um, okay, so the reason we're reading Jeremiah uh, 29 here uh, is because we are gonna be looking at the book of Daniel. And this letter in uh, the middle of the prophecy of Jeremiah is sort of like the prequel to everything that happens in the book of Daniel. So if you know the story of Daniel, uh, you know, that God's people, they lived in a city called Jerusalem uh, and they were supposed to be God's people. They were supposed to be serving only God, but they had started serving other gods. they had started uh, putting up statues and building temples and poles and all sorts of things to other gods. And so God gave them a warning. He said, turn away from your idolatry or you're going to be forced out of the land. Uh, And of course, God's people, they didn't turn away from their idolatry. They continued to worship their false idols. And so God sent judgment on them. Uh, And the incredible thing, we're gonna talk more about this uh, as we look at Daniel chapter three. The incredible thing about this is um, at the time, the Jewish people in Jerusalem, they had this prophecy that God was going to rescue them, that they wouldn't be forced out of their land, that God was gonna save them, and that the Babylonian army that was coming over to capture them was the work of their enemy, the work of Satan, and that God was gonna destroy that army. But that didn't happen. Jerusalem was sieged, people were taken captive, they were dragged out of the land across to Babylon. And all the while, false prophets were saying, God is gonna rescue us, this is an evil army. But what we learn from scripture is that God had sent judgment on Israel because of their idolatry. And the tool that he used to judge them was this army from Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. And so while everyone was saying this army is evil, this whole exile is not gonna happen, God was actually behind it. God was orchestrating this army to come and capture them and take them to Babylon, which doesn't make sense to us, I know that, and it's a very difficult thing to bring up, but it's the truth. And it's what we're about to read here uh, in this prophecy. So Jeremiah was a prophet at that time. Um, people generally didn't listen to him because they didn't like what he had to say because he didn't tell them nice, flery, fluffy things. He didn't tell them that God was gonna rescue them. He told them the truth of what God was going to do. But this is a letter that Jeremiah writes from Jerusalem to the people who are captive in Babylon. So it's a whole thing. Jeremiah, the prophet is uh, speaking to the exiles in Babylon. So 29, and we're gonna read it from verse four. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives that he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Now just a quick pause. Imagine you can't read the next verse. Imagine that you're in exile in Babylon. Imagine that the prophet has written you a letter. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to the captives in exile. What's he going to say? Is he going to give us a great battle plan? Is he going to tell us the weak point in Babylon's walls? What's he going to do here? This is what the Lord says to the exiles in Babylon. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days you will pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again into your own land. So that was what the Lord, the God of heaven, said to the people when they were sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, stay there, build homes. He says, look for the welfare and the fortune of that city and pray for that city which sounds all very reasonable to us here 3,000 or so years later. But to those people, that was nonsense. Absolute nonsense. This was an evil city full of evil people. This was an evil army. We're supposed to fight against the city. We're supposed to resist. We're not going to build homes because we're not going to be here very long. We're not going to marry because what's the point? But God says to them, stay there, multiply, look for the peace and prosperity of the city. This is where I've sent you. So, I say all that, and we read this now to get our heads in the right space for when we look at Daniel chapter three to see what these guys were thinking and why they did the things that they did. But before we do that, we are going to sing again. We're going to sing, Speak, O Lord, um, a a song that is a very real and sincere prayer that the Lord would speak to us here. And I pray that we make this our prayer here together. Uh, Let's pray together before we hear what God might might be saying to us. Father, the words that we've just sang are our honest and sincere prayer to you, that you would speak to us here and that we would listen, Lord. And so I pray now that you would drive out all the distractions, Lord, uh, that you would keep the enemy from our ear and from our mind, Lord, and that we would uh, not listen to a man's words, God, not listen to my words, but that we would be listening for your voice, God. And so I pray that in these next few moments, I would be uh, merely your servant, merely a vessel that bears your word, God. Come and meet with us and speak with us here. Amen. And while I was praying, my PowerPoint magically appeared on the screen. Look at that, good job. Uh, um, so I feel like I should um, be honest and say that this is not the sermon that I planned uh, to preach to you guys. Uh, so over the summer months, because of my Presbyterian connections, um, I get invited to speak in lots of different churches um, around Dublin. And, and I always kind of have like one talk that I do, because it's easier just to plan one talk and then you just do the same talk everywhere you go and no one knows no one knows the difference, you know? Uh, so on Monday, I emailed Stuart, I was like, blah, 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 this is my reading, here's the theme, job done. And then he emails me back to me being, uh, saying, you might wanna think of something else and he showed me what last week's sermon was and it was exactly what I was gonna preach. Uh, so I had a choice, either I preach the same thing and bank on you guys not remembering what the last guy was talking about, uh, you know, which I might've gotten away with, um, or come up with something new. So um, I came up with something new. Although it's not totally new, uh, because what we're gonna read and what we're gonna talk about uh, is actually my favorite passage uh, in all of scripture. And um, I think every time I preach a passage of scripture, I say, this is my favorite one. But Daniel chapter three, legitimately is uh, my favorite passage of scripture. And it's a passage of scripture uh, that has changed my life. I remember the first time reading the story Uh, and being like, wow, Um, just a big wow moment. And so the reason it came to my head is that I want to share that wow moment uh, with you guys, if that's all right. So we're talking about the fiery furnace from Daniel chapter three. So if you're flicking around your Bibles, find Daniel chapter three. Um, we're going to be looking at this uh, sort of almost verse by verse at first, and then what I'm going to... So, what, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to look at it kind of verse by verse, look at the story because the story speaks for itself. And then I have three points because it's not a real sermon unless you have three points. Um, uh, two are a question and one is a statement. So if you're a note taker, <coughs> there is going to be uh, three points coming up at some point. Uh, 886. 886? Eight, eight, six. Great. But uh, really quickly... Daniel chapter one uh, is again the background to all this. And we see during the third year of King Jehoiakim, uh, King, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the important part here, the Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in his treasure house of God. Uh, and then we see there from verse three on Nebuchadnezzar's plan. So Just to paint a little picture for you, the reason why Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon, along with other men, because Nebuchadnezzar senses his. Uh, generally says, find me the young people, the affluent people, the talented people, those from the royal family, the best of the best, take them from Jerusalem into Babylon. And he places them in Babylon school where they're gonna learn how to speak like Babylonians uh, and talk like Babylonians. Uh, they're gonna learn how to dress like Babylonians and be Babylonians. And why does Nebuchadnezzar do that? Because Nebuchadnezzar's plan For world domination uh, is not that he will crush and subdue nations, but that he will slowly turn other nations into Babylon. So the reason he takes the young, affluent, talented people is he's going to take them away, make them into little Babylonians, and then send them back to infiltrate the culture, to change the culture, and make the whole world Babylonian that way. And so that's why this happens. Take these exiles away into Babylon, change their religion, change their speech, change their clothes, change their way of thinking, and then send them back. And so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are four of those people who are sent. And on their first uh, week in Babylon, they make a choice, they make a decision. Um, They say they can change our names, they can give us new jobs, but we're not going to eat the food that they give us, which is a whole nother talk. But they make this decision that they're not going to change who they fundamentally are that they may speak a different language, they may wear different clothes and be in a different city, but they will always belong to God. And they make that decision very early on in their time in Babylon. And now here in chapter three, that decision is going to be tested. Um, So down in chapter three, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 uh, 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, so big thing, and set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to high officers, officials, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officers uh, to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And this little bit of passage tells us everything we need to know about King Nebuchadnezzar. He's very selfish, very self-absorbed. He actually is the most powerful man in the world at that time. Whatever he says happens, whatever he wants to do, he does and no one can stop him. And he knows this. And I don't know that he definitely thinks that he's God, but he definitely thinks other people think that he's God and he likes that. And so he sets up this big statue. What's it a statue of? I don't know, maybe it's one of his gods, maybe it's of himself, it doesn't matter. The point is he has built this statue and he wants everybody to know about it. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar though is a very spiritual man and he doesn't not believe in Yahweh, the one true God. He believes in all the gods and he thinks that makes him a very spiritual, very wise man. And the reason he takes the, 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 the articles from the temple to his own temple is because he wants to take a little bit of the Jewish God back to his gods and say, now I have all the gods on my side. And that's what this is all about. And so he sets up this statue, but we see his heart very, very quickly. Uh, verse seven. Oh, sorry. No, verse six. No, verse five. There we go. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So everyone had to come to the plain of Dura, no matter who you were, no matter what language you spoke, and you see King Nebuchadnezzar's statue, and when you hear the music, you bow down and you worship it. And if not, then get thrown into a fiery furnace. But remember, Nebuchadnezzar is a very spiritual man. He believes in your God. And when you bow down to his statue, you're maybe worshipping your God as well. So just bow down and worship the statue. It's not a big deal. But then we see our three friends, but some of the astrologers, uh, verse eight, went to the king and informed and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship your gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn and all those musical instruments. Verse 11, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge over the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. So we meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For some reason, Daniel's not in this story. I don't know why. Um, He's probably off on some official Babylonian business in another country or something. Or for whatever reason, he's not featured in this story. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are... And these astrologers, all the king's servants, they wanna get Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego off the job and preferably into a fiery furnace, but just not doing their job. Because Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were very, very good at their job. They were regional officials, they were civil servants, they ran the business of Babylon and they were really, really good at it. And they were so good at it that every time they started a new job, people were like, well, you're the best at this, you're the boss now. And it kept happening and they kept being promoted. And this caused other people in the city and other civil servants and officials to be jealous of them and want to kill them. And this is a story that weaves all the way through the book of Daniel. People trying to get Daniel and his friends off the job and preferably dead um, because they're just so good at what they do. And that's an important thing to remember about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They are very good at what they do. They're great at it. They're great at being Babylonian civil servants it's very, very important for us to remember because these guys lie about them. They say, they pay you no regard, king. That's not true. They pay the king lots of regard. They do their job very well, but they won't bow down to this statue. And everybody sees it and everybody knows it. And then verse 13, then King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Now, again, Remember that you can't read, pretend that you can't read the next verse. Pretend that you don't know the end of this story because we can read this and we know what's gonna happen. Of course, God's gonna save them. They're not gonna get thrown into the blazing furnace for real. That picture, by the way, is my interpretation of the fiery furnace, by the way, because I'm cool and trendy like that. Um, Imagine that you are Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, thousands of miles away from your home, serving a foreign king, speaking a language that you don't really understand, doing things that you're not totally comfortable with. And you're standing before the most powerful man in the world. Whatever he says happens. Whatever he wants to do, he does. No one can stop him. And he says to you, when you hear the music, bow down to my statue. If you don't, I'm going to throw you into this blazing furnace and no one is going to be able to save you. And ask yourself the question, what would you say to this man? Because I know exactly what I would do. When I hear the music, I would bow down to the statue. And I know that for a fact. Now, I hope not. I would love to be able to say, ah, I wouldn't, and I would, I would defy the king. I would love to say that, but I don't really know what I would do if the blazing furnace was right there, if Nebuchadnezzar was right there, and if all I had to do was bow down to a statue, it's not that big of a deal. And in my head, and in my heart, I could say, oh, well, I'm bound down to God. I know the statue's there, but I'm bound down to God because I want to save my own skin. That's what I would do. I wonder what would you do? Maybe you're more brave than I am. But here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, and this is my wow moment. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, uh, which by the way, in the original language that this is written in, they're very respectful to Nebuchadnezzar here. They say, O Nebuchadnezzar, great king, live forever. They're very respectful to him. They say, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, then the God whom we serve is able to save us. Uh, Yeah, that's what you say, isn't it? If we get thrown into the blazing furnace, God's able to save us. We're in the book of Daniel, guys. Of course, God's going to save us. But what do they say next? He will rescue, rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. They say, we know that our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know we will not bow down to this statue. How brave to stand before the most powerful man in the world, to stand within an eye shot of the the blazing furnace that they're about to be thrown into and say, God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not gonna bow down. So guess what happens, Uh, verse 20. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and excitement to his advisors. Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound and walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And if we keep reading, we see that they come out Their bonds have been burnt off, but their clothes have been untouched. They don't even smell of smoke. And remember, this furnace is so hot that the king's strongest soldiers have been burnt alive just putting these guys in there, but they don't even smell of smoke and King Nebuchadnezzar has only one reply. Your God is the real God. And he sends out this big decree that everyone must worship and serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So that is the story that you know very, very well. And I haven't told you anything that you haven't heard. But here is the first question that I want to ask you from this story. Who do you serve? Who are you serving in your day-to-day, every life? And I know that you know the answer should be God. But remember, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, They were serving God. But day to day, how they served God was by doing their job really, really well and by being really good citizens of Babylon. God had told them, stay there, multiply, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, be really good Babylonian citizens. And they were. They were so good at their job that other Babylonians were jealous of how good they were and wanted to kill them. And so my question is, who do you serve? Because we as Christians very often think that how we serve God in Dublin or whatever city we happen to live in is by being resistors, is by protesting and resisting everything that the city tries to do and, make, and making ourselves a little, a little ghetto over here to the side where we hang out, but no one else is allowed to come here because this is us and we are resisting this evil generation, this wicked city. We think that's what we're supposed to do. And we think that's how we serve God. But that's not how we serve God. That's how we make the church an inaccessible fortress that no one else is allowed to come into. But how we serve our city and how we serve our God is by serving our city, by seeking the peace and prosperity of the place that we live in. Not resisting, not protesting, not wearing a big shirt that says, look at me, I'm a Christian. That means I'm better than you. Look how wicked and evil you are. No, it's to be part of the society, to be the thing that makes the society good and pleasant. Christians are called the salt of the earth. We're called the light of the world. What did salt do in the ancient world? It preserved. It stopped rotten things from going bad. And so we are the preservative in the world. What else does salt do? It made it taste good. Made it taste good. Uh, I was eating green beans last night uh, as part of a healthy, nutritious dinner. Uh, And I always put salt on my vegetables. But when I eat the green beans, I go, "Mm, good salt, really good salt today. I'm glad we got the malaria and really splashed out on that salt. No, I said good green beans because the salt made the green beans taste good. And so when we're out in the world, it's not that people see us and go, look at those Christians, wow. They go, wow, this is a really cool city. This is a great place to live. Why? Because we have made it taste good. We have brought light into it. So who do you serve? And if your answer is, I serve God, then serve your city. Serve the people. Be salt, be light in this city. Don't, don't section yourself away and say no one else can come in here. Open up and say, what can I do for you? How can I love you today? What can I do? And that's what, what's so great about the DIO. It's not this thing that comes and believe in Jesus. They serve the city that they're in. And that's what we should do. But, asterisks, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had a line that they wouldn't cross. As soon as serving the king became worshiping something other than God, they said no. And that's when they protested and that's when they resisted. When they had to fundamentally change who they were as believers in the one true God, then they put their foot down. And they said, we don't care what happens to us. We will not bow down to that statue. And so I will say to you, be fully participating members of this society, this, wherever it is that you are, but know where the line is and know that you belong to God. And that if anything the city is asking you to do or society is asking you to do compromises your faith in God, then say no to that, and that's where you stand. But nine times out of 10, our response should always be love and service. We don't always have to put the foot down, but only if it compromises who you are. They, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would not cross that line. They will not bow down to the statue. And so another question to ask would be, what are the statues in your life? What are you being asked to bow down to? What do you you have to resist? find out what those things are and resist those things. But nine times out of 10, serving the city is how we serve God. And when I say city, you know, whatever it might be, your workplace, your school, your college, maybe your home. I grew up in a very non-Christian home. And so my mission field was like outside my bedroom. And so how do I serve the house that I live in, my roommates? How do I serve the college that I'm in? Whatever it might be, it's not always a city. It's just where you are. How do you serve it? So who do you serve should be serving God. Um, this is the big one that I want to park on for a little while. So I'll take a little, little drink of water. Do you trust God? And I know the obvious answer to that is, yes, of course I do trust God. Um, but do you trust God or is your trust in God based on what he will do for you and based on what he has done for you? So do you actually trust God? Or do you trust God as long as you get X, Y, Z exactly the way you want it to be? Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their obvious prayer in that moment was, we don't want to get thrown into this fiery furnace. We would really rather not be burned alive. And we know that God is able to save us, but their response to the king and what changed my life was, I know that God can do this, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him. And that's the big question. Do you trust God, even if you're not getting your way? Even if your prayers are unanswered. Now I'm gonna tell you a story about me. It's a bit of a sad story and it's not to get sympathy on me or any of that. It's just a handy little illustration that I've got in my life. Uh, When I was here as the youth worker, and many of you know this, uh, my mother passed away. And some of you know my story that my mother, uh, so my father passed away when I was 14. Uh, And so from when I was 14 to when I was 27, when my mother passed away, she was an alcoholic. She had no hope. She was basically just waiting to die. And I spent every day praying for her. Lord, heal my mother. Take away this alcoholism. Bring her back to me. Give me my mother back. Because I always say the day I lost my father, I lost my mother as well. She was alive. She was there, but she wasn't my mother anymore. And I prayed for her every day. I fasted for her. I went to other people to pray for her. And I read passages of scripture that I thought were prophecies about my mother. God's gonna heal her. And I held on to that and I said, God, I know you can do this. And I was always waiting for when he would do it. So then I could tell the story. So I could come here and tell this amazing story of how God healed my mother, of how she's not an alcoholic. And there she is sitting over there. Look at that, God has changed her life. I waited for that. I believed and I trusted and I knew it would happen. And then I got a call from my brother and he said, I just found mom dead in bed. You need to get home here as quickly as possible. And you know what, it's one of those moments where, uh, so Kate is my wife, and Kate is the one that when I don't know what to do, she's the one that tells me what I'm supposed to do. So like, I'm not great in social situations, so it's like, you need to go say hello to that person. Okay, that's what I do. And in those situations where I don't know what to do, she's the one that tells me what to do. And for whatever reason, that day, her phone wasn't working. And so the one person that I had to call to tell me what I'm supposed to do, I couldn't get in contact with her. What do I do? How do you call a taxi? I don't know. I was totally lost my mother had passed away. And then immediately my head was, well, what the heck? Did you not hear the prayers that I, you know, did you not, did I not say them properly? Did I not go to the right people? Did I not read the right passages, passages of scripture? Why is this happening? And so I'm in a taxi on the way and the question, this question popped into my head. Do you trust God? Because I know that God is able to heal, was able to heal my mother, I know that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that God would be able to save them from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, I will still trust him. So I don't have the answer. I don't know why God didn't answer those particular prayers. I don't know why my mother passed away. I don't know why it happened that way. But I have to say, I have to say, I still trust God even though it doesn't make sense. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in that moment, staring down this fiery furnace, feeling the heat from it, watching the three strong soldiers who threw them in there being burnt alive as well, knowing that this is going to happen. God is able to do this, but even if he doesn't. And so I would encourage you to not have your relationship with God be based on what he has done, can do, or is doing. Just trust him. Life won't always go the way you plan it to because, and here is the truth, there is another in the fire. There was another in the fire. They went into the flames. They saw what the fire could do, but they were not in that fire alone. There was a fourth person in there with them. See, God in this story isn't outside the fire reaching in, or he's not over there telling them how to get out, or he doesn't send a prophet or he doesn't say, go to this meeting on Sunday at 11 o'clock, it'll really change your life. God is in the fire with them. And this is the amazing thing about Jesus. The amazing thing about having a living, breathing God who was human for 33 years and walked around on earth. Are you hungry? Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry. Are you stressed? Jesus knows what it's like to be stressed. Are you worried? He sweat drops of blood he was so worried. Have you lost something? Something incredible about Jesus' story is we see his father, his earthly father, Joseph. But then when Jesus has grown up, we never hear of Joseph. Did Joseph run away? I don't think so. He had a chance to and he didn't. Joseph probably died at some point when Jesus was young. And so when I pray to God and I say, God, I really miss my parents. He knows what that feels like. So whatever the fire is that you have to walk through, know that there is another in the fire with you who knows exactly what it feels like. And so when you pray to him and say, I'm worried, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I feel I miss these people, he knows exactly what it is. And he's not just far off, distant, feeling it on your behalf, he's right there with you. So what I want to say to us here this morning is life is probably going really well for some of you. Like, you know, when you talk to me a few minutes, you go, hey, how's how's life going? My life is going really well at the moment. I just come off this season where like I was, you know, in a a week span, I was in Edinburgh and London and Paris. And it's a really great feeling to be like walking through a terminal in Paris. Like, yes, I was in London yesterday. I'm just in Paris now. You know, and work for me was sitting at Shakespeare and Co in Paris, watching the sunset in Notre Dame, sipping a coffee. Life is pretty good right now. And I know that for a lot of you, life is probably pretty good too. But the thing about life is when it's good, it doesn't always stay good, does it? Something's always coming. And when it's good, you're probably coming out of something. So life has good times, but it has bad times as well. And some of you are probably going through bad times. And some of you probably feel like, what are these good times you're talking about, Eric? Because all I know is bad times. But here's the thing, whatever you're going through, whatever you went through, whatever you're going to go through, there is another in the fire with you who knows exactly what it feels like. And you may have to walk through the flames for a little while, but when you come out the other side, you won't even smell of smoke. And everybody will say, I thought he was in that alone, but I see someone else there with him. So what I want to say to you guys here is trust God. He's able to do whatever you're asking him to do, but even if he doesn't, trust him anyway. Amen. Great. Uh, let let uh, Let me pray for us and then we'll have our offering as our response. So Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are in the fire with us. We thank you that you are all powerful, almighty, and you are well able to do everything we're asking you to do. But we want to declare as your people that even if you don't do it, or even if you do it in a way that we didn't expect, we trust you and we follow you and only you. So thank you that we've had this time here in your presence. Thank you that we're all here together and pray that you would keep on speaking to us. Amen. So we are going to uh, have our offering as our way of responding uh, to God. And while that happens, the band are gonna sing some songs for us. So let's pray one more time together. Father, we do thank you that you are with us. um, that You are always with us. And Father, I wanna pray for uh, the people in this room uh, that are gathered here and that gather here um, weekly. Lord, I pray Um, that you'd be guiding them, Lord, and giving their leaders wisdom, and uh, that you would give them all peace. And we pray for those who are sick, that they would be healed, and those who are lonely, that they would find comfort, Lord. And I pray that you would make uh, this a community that loves and breathes together. We pray for um, our city, the city of Dublin, um, which has many, many problems and many, many issues, Lord, as well as great beauty and um, great community, Lord. We do pray Um, for those who are homeless, that they would find a bed, for those who are sick, that they would be healed, God. But we pray that you would show us how uh, we, as your people in this city, can serve this city and be the salt uh, that preserves it and makes it taste good. They can be the light that uh, lights up the dark places. And we do pray for the work of the DIO um, over the next uh, little while, God, that you would be with them, working through them and with them, God. We pray for our country, obviously, we pray for um, for Europe and all the turmoil, and we pray for the world, God, where there are wars, we pray that you would bring peace, and where there is confusion, we pray that you would bring wisdom, God. Um, But Father, I pray that you would help us to fix our eyes completely on you, and no matter how hopeless the situation is, uh, remind us that you are in control, and that this earth is not our home, that our true home is in heaven. So thank you that we have been here together, thank you that we have been in your presence and been with each other. Um, bless us Lord as we go our own way now in a few minutes Amen Uh, We're going to stand together, we're going to sing our closing song which is Crown Him with Many Crowns Um, Before we do that I just want to say thank you again for having me here Um, Kate always asks me when I preach other places, how did it go? And I'll say I'll let you know if I get invited back and then we'll know how it goes Uh, So I hope to be here again with you sometime uh, and speak with you again Uh, I'll be at the door saying goodbye but I have to nip off pretty quickly um, after Um, so do come say hello if you want to say hello uh, and whatever the rest of the week is for you, enjoy the rest of your week. So let's uh, stand together. Let's proclaim, crown him with many crowns. Okay. We'll time together by blessing each other with these good words. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody.